The way we consume and share news today is largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. And honestly, if you look at what's being streamed or posted on social media these days, there's a lot of festivities, events, the largest Christmas tree, things like that. For Social Media Minute, we're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. I attempted to take this I, off. I and... <laughs> Should I continue talking? Take it off? Put it on? <laughs> I'll leave it on. And are you cold? <laughs> uh, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. If you do feel warm, yeah. uh, please uh, yes. take it off in, in between <laughs> the segment. All right, let's jump into this event that's happening. Um, I wonder if it's better belated than to never. I mean, to showcase some of these films that are once deemed controversial mm-hmm. or even blacklisted. What's really interesting interesting is that in this election, there seems to be some highly popular yeah. Korean films as well. Like really popular, well-known yeah. films. Yeah. Yep. So uh, what's going to happen starting today until December 18th is uh, a film festival, uh, the Freedom of Expression Film mm. Festival, which kicks off today. And it's going to be held by the Korean Film Council in collaboration with local independent movie theaters. Mm. A total of 20 films that were blacklisted during previous conservative administrations will be screened throughout the duration of the event. Okay, so the very existence of the blacklist came to light in 2016. Yep. There were sort of hushed reverend tones about it during the conservative administration, and then it surfaced. Yes, that's right. Uh, nearly 10,000 figures. You heard that correct. 10,000 figures in the culture and entertainment sectors were blacklisted uh, for basically criticizing, being mm-hmm. critical of the government. And they subsequently faced unfair treatment, uh, such as subsidy cuts. Mm. And uh, in the culture and art sectors, these subsidies are very, very much needed. And uh, at the time, it wasn't just black people who were blacklisted. Films were on the list as well. We can rehash the details of what happened in 2016, mm. but you can clearly look it up. We want to focus on some of these movies that are being yep. showcased uh, for the next week or so. So you said 20 films are to be screened at yep. the Freedom of Expression Film Festival. What are they? And uh, the, the titles of these films will sound very familiar mm. to you. Uh, remember Joint Security Area? Lee Byung-hun, Lee Young-hae. Yes, that's Much right. Much younger Lee Byung-hun, Lee Young-hae. Yes, uh, you know, it was directed by Park Chan-wook. Mm. The Handmaiden, mm. uh, National Security, mm. a movie from 2012, and uh, various movies starring actor Song Kang-ho, including mm. The Attorney, A Taxi Driver, mm. and the documentary films The Remnants and mm. The Truth Shall Not Sink with Sewol. So the docu-films are a little bit more self-explanatory. In fact, because, I, right, right, it's critical, yeah. openly critical of where the administration fell short, especially in the case of The Truth uh, Shall Not Sink with Sewar. Yep. It was literally blacklisted from being screened at the Pusan International Film mm-hmm. Festival, remember? But as for the former, I mean, these are technically scripted films. That's right. So it does raise a red flag. Mm. Why was it censored in the first place? And uh, there was a committee that recently came together. They reevaluated the artistic values yeah. of these movies. Now, the council said 20 indie theaters will each screen one film. Mm. Uh, they will also hold a discussion session with the audience after the screenings. Uh, Q&As are so much fun, you guys. I know. And yep. don't be afraid. You can ask anything. That's right. <laughs> now, during the 10-day festival, uh, the special committee will also uh, produce and, uh, you know, give out pamphlets, mm. uh, 
you know, basically outlining the damages caused by this blacklist right. and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a white paper on recovery efforts and how future blacklisting can be prevented. History um, does sometimes, unfortunately, repeat itself. Yeah. So we ought to learn these lessons and keep tabs, right? That's right. Mm. Now, on December 15th, uh, which is next week, the council is going to hold an online forum uh, to discuss in depth uh, the meaning of freedom of expression for artists with uh, Professor Woo Dong Sok from mm. Aju University of the Law School, uh, who is also going to deliver a keynote speech. Remember when much younger freedom of expression sounded so simple on paper? Yeah. I mean, this might just be an entirely different angle. But with Elon Musk's Twitter doing something really strange on social media, I uh-huh. do question, should there should there be certain limits to even freedom of expression? Mm. Now we pose a difficult <laughs> question, don't we? Anyway, the focus was the films. Yep. So there you have it. You have a week's time to see it That's on the big right. screens again. I would love to see JSA on a bigger screen because I saw it on a VHS tape. Oh, you did. I saw this uh, at the theater when it was released. I wasn't many, in many Korea. Years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That's fun, right? Uh, you have until December 18th That's to watch right. some of these films. Yep. Uh, let's move on to some World Cup coverage. Hwang Chan returns home. Yeah. He's been presented, as you may have guessed, Player of the Match trophy uh, to his grandparents. Yeah. You know, we haven't mentioned uh, in this segment, but uh, Hwang Hee-chan, he was awarded player of the match by uh, Budweiser, (laughs) a U.S. beer brand and official sponsor of the Mm. FIFA World Cup. Mm. And uh, he received this trophy following Korea's victory against Portugal. I mean, you saw the goal, right? Uh, uh, Hwang's stunning last goal of the match in the 46th minute of the second half, assisted by Captain Son Heung-min. It's pretty fresh in our memory, and it was such a clear shot, too. Very much so. Yeah. Uh, the Beer Makers Award is presented to one player for each game played during the World Cup who basically showed the best overall performance wow. based on online fan votes. Aha. <laughs> Anyone can participate in this poll by visiting FIFA's website. Now, Hwang is so far the only South Korean player to have received this award in this year's tournament. Well, it's over now for South Korea. Mm. Uh, For those of you who are interested, you can go on to, um, you know, the company's official Instagram account Mm. and check out the interviews with the the trophy winners, all of them, including (laughs) Hwang Yi-chan. Now, one of the things about uh, Hwang Yi-chan that has become widely shared in recent days is his close relationship with his grandparents. And, I mean, you can kind of take a guess into dark what the story may be, right? Yeah. Was he raised by his grandparents, maybe? Yes, he okay. was. Uh, he grew up under the care of his grandparents as a child. Both of his parents worked. Um, in a 2018 interview with a local broadcaster, we're streaming a photo of Hong oh, Tan with his grandparents. Um, in this interview back in 2018, he said his grandparents just meant the world to him. And then he <laughs> can't express into words just how much they mean to him. Mm. And uh, he also has the names of his grandparents tattooed on his wrist. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, remember oh, how he celebrated his goal by yeah. taking off his jersey and yes. then he planted a kiss on yeah. his left wrist. That was for his grandparents. And now the story is complete. Yep. Isn't that uh, special, guys? Yeah, so uh, mm. the tattoos are apparently copied off of his grandparents' own handwriting. Uh, it's it's their names, basically. And he mm-hmm. told uh, news reporters that he misses his grandparents so much when he plays abroad. Mm. And he thinks of them even more every time he scores a goal. 
And just yesterday, he shared this photo on his Instagram account, and uh, you can see his grandma holding the red trophy. <laughs> <laughs> quite large. Won. It is quite large. Yeah. So that was a really sweet moment. I think my heart grew another size. Yeah. So it's kind Very of in sweet. line with, I don't know, the festivities of December, Absolutely. right? Leading us into our final story. Yeah. <laughs> so did you know that the world's largest Christmas tree is, in fact, in a really tiny town? How ironic uh, is that? Called Gubbio in the region of Umbria in Italy. Really? Yep, yep. And Isn't it funny that the world's largest Christmas tree is a rather small, small town? Yeah, it's a medieval town. Okay. And uh, it's been proudly displayed since 1981, which means the Christmas tree celebrates its 41st birthday. <laughs> and I'm guessing Christmas. it's going to probably stay put for many yeah. more years. Now, um, it... Maybe isn't uh, the type of Christmas tree you would uh, imagine when, oh. you, when you think of a Christmas tree and what it looks like. It's basically splayed uh, on the side of a mountain, Mount Ingino, and uh, the lights are arranged in the shape of a Christmas tree. That's more than 3,000 multicolored lights, by the way. Because, I mean, just for comparison, look at what I'm guessing are pretty large buildings yep. at the foot of a mountain. <laughs> yes. And it seems to, this Christmas yeah, tree or the lights that decorate it, cover like a really big portion of the mountain. Yeah, basically the, the tree or the yeah. tree display, it towers over <sighs> this tiny little town. Okay, so in my head, I was just imagining a literal physical tree. Same here when I saw the headlines. <laughs> now the roots, the bottom of the Christmas tree are near the town's ancient walls and its star reaches the basilica of the town's uh, patron saint, Saint Ubaldo, mm -hmm. uh, at the peak of the mountain, which is around 650 meters high. I wonder what it's like to see it at the foot of, from the foot of the mountain. Yeah. We're getting an aerial view from, I'm assuming, a far <laughs> off distance. But I mean, is it blinding at night? Is is it, is it brighter than the stars? It, it must be very bright. You know, <laughs> let me just tell you how large the tree is. Okay. In fact, it is 350 meters wide oh. at its base. It consists of uh, 3,000 uh, multicolored lights uh, and 8.5 kilometers of electrical cable. Imagine that. 8.5... Imagine driving 8.5 kilometers, and that's how long the cable is. Yeah, all I'm imagining is who put these lights up, yeah. who's going to take it down, 8.5 kilometers. It takes a lot of planning. In fact, the planning starts in September of every year. <laughs> <laughs> now, at the top of the tree, there is a star, which uh -huh. is outlined by 250 white lights. And the illumination can be seen up to 50 kilometers away. So yeah, we could say that it's large. World's largest Christmas tree, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I do wonder, does the lighting of the tree take place around the same time every year? Yes, the lighting of this Christmas tree takes place on the eve uh, of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, which falls on December 7th. Uh, the tree festively twinkles every night until midnight. And then on the first Sunday after Epiphany, mm. uh, which is a religious holiday uh, that falls on January 6th, the tree, basically, it disappears. Everything is removed until the following year. I don't know. When you take it down, do you think it feels hollow and, and dark? Yeah, and for a while. That's a lot of light. Yeah. I do wonder, how does this tradition even come about? Yeah, so I mentioned the year 1981. Yes. 
uh, a small committee in mm. this town of Gubio. They came together and they tossed ideas around. They're like, they're like, uh, how are we going to celebrate Christmas in a in a different way, okay. our own unique way? And they came up with this idea, right? And uh, ten years later, in 1991, this display entered the Guinness Book of Records as the world's largest Christmas tree. And I'm sure since then they've won, you know, made an effort to keep the, that yeah. title. Right? The committee has grown as well uh, to 53 members. The youngest <laughs> committee member is 19 years old. The oldest is 86. So everyone, you know, gets into the spirit of Christmas. And uh, they plan, uh, you know, starting in September to make sure that everything is in order. I want to be part of the Christmas tree planning committee. Same. It sounds like so much fun, right? I just want to put that on my resume. That just sounds so <laughs> exciting. Now, there are some fun facts about the tree we want to share because yeah. immediately when you said 8.5 kilometers of lights, I got thinking, where does the electricity come from? We're you talking know. about it being more expensive Yeah, they winter. used to be, the, the lights used to be plugged in all the way, you know, back in the days. But uh, since 2010, the, the light is run almost entirely on solar energy collected throughout the year. Uh, in 2011, the lights were switched on remote by Pope Benedict XVI using a tablet computer. Hey, changing times. All right, adapt, adapt. Yes, and, uh, you know, you can actually adopt a Christmas tree light for $10. Anyone can. And this allows you to dedicate the light to a loved one with a message, which you can check out online on the tree's website. On the tree's website, I said. Oh, that sounds funny, huh? Yeah. (laughs) On the tree's official website, uh, you can dedicate a single light to a loved one. That's That's right. That's better than a star, because a star, I'm not quite sure. I mean, you can name it. I can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Erica. That was delightful. Um, Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed the story. I hope you have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.